You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs. It is Friday. Tomorrow, TCU will play Kansas. They try to keep their bowl eligibility hopes alive, and uh, we'll break down some of that game later on in this segment or maybe in segment number two. I also want to get into TCU basketball. The men's team, they survived last night. Not a outstanding performance by Nickel State by any measure. Um, struggled, especially early in that game, but fought back and found a way to win. So we'll discuss that as well. But we'll start where we started really every day this week which is the coaching search, the TCU football coaching search. And I will tell you today, uh, now these things can change. It's fluid. Add this disclaimer here, blah, blah. Nothing's official. All the wins and the rumors and the chatter seem to be pointing towards Sonny Dykes uh, getting the TCU job. Now, I would say for the past week, maybe less than a week, there's been a lot of discussion of Billy Napier. I've discussed Billy Napier a lot on this podcast. He was my preferred choice. Um, I honestly don't know how far talks got, if those talks are still going on, what the situation is there. But Stephen Gottfried, who used to be with SB Nation, he now hosts uh, Split Duo Zone podcast, or Split Zone Duo podcast, excuse me. And he's really plugged into the coaching world. He does a good job. Knows agent, knows coaches. He tweeted out some cryptic emojis, which I know sounds ridiculous. Um, but everyone sort of translated it to Sonny Dykes is headed to Fort Worth. Um, he also tweeted last night that Billy Napier, the coach at Louisiana, he didn't name him, but he said the coach in Louisiana that's in the Sun Belt is a slippery devil, which I don't know what that meant exactly. I'm not sure if that meant that he uh, turned down TCU or if he's just sort of playing the field and keeping all his options open. I don't know. But I sort of took it to mean um, he's either still surveying the field or maybe he's just still content at Louisiana because he has turned some jobs down in the past. We'll have to see what happens over the next few weeks. So nothing's official, but I want to talk about Sonny Dykes and if he does become head coach, what that kind of means. And I'll be honest with you. I, I would be a little underwhelmed if this happened. Um, and that might be unfair to Sonny. And honestly, if you told me, like when this whole thing started, he was the front runner. He's been the front runner pretty much the whole time. Now there's been some other names thrown out there. Napier, Matt Campbell, had the brief flirtation with Dion. Tony Elliott's name has come up. But the one constant as far as a guy that is near the top has been Sonny Dykes. He has some experience at TCU. In 2017, he was an analyst on the offensive side of the ball. He knows Texas well, played baseball at Texas Tech. His father, Spike Dykes, is a legend can recruit, or at least can put together a staff that can recruit, has done really well using the transfer portal in Dallas, and he has gotten SMU to places that no one else really has post-death penalty. 
Um, I mean, Chad Morris, he improved them for a short season. Um, June Jones had like one year where I think they went six and six. But nobody has been able to consistently get it done there, and he has. I will also say his teams have had a tendency, and it appears it might be a similar story this year, of fading down the stretch, um, you know, in the month of November, heading into December. He hasn't won an American Conference title, but he also hasn't been there an extremely long time. So, like, yeah, I think that's an issue that his teams get off to hot starts and haven't been able to finish well. But I also feel like it takes a while to establish an identity, establish a culture. And maybe he just – what we're seeing – the Sunny Dykes we're seeing at SMU right now is not like the fully formed version of what he could do there. In two or three years, what would it look like? Would they be at that point winning conference titles, knocking on the door of a New Year's Six Bowl game? I don't know. Of course, the Americans going to look much different in a couple of years like every other conference is because of realignment. Um, my big concerns are this. One, I I think TCU's biggest issue right now, from a roster perspective, from just how they're built, what they're trying to do, is that they are really undersized, and they are not very good in the trenches. The offensive line has kind of been up and down. I think it's better this year than it was last year. But they've still struggled. The defensive line has been terrible. The front seven, honestly, has just gotten thrown around all season long. Sonny Dyke's defenses have never been very good. He's an offensive-minded guy. And while they did come into Fort Worth this year and just run the ball at will and looked like the more physical team, which I think was the first sign for everybody that, hey, maybe there's something wrong here because SMU came in here and basically just pushed us around. Like, Sonny Dykes is known for wide-open offenses, getting playmakers the ball, you know, speed, And he'll have a lot of that to work with at TCU. Like, the skilled players here are probably better, if they stay, are probably better than even what he had at Cal. But that's not going to solve the interior issues. That's not going to solve the defense. Now, maybe part of this is bringing a big-time defensive coordinator on staff. Jim Levitt, their D.C. at SMU, has done a nice job over his career. He's been coaching for a long, long time. He's coached in the NFL. He's coached in college. So he knows how to run a defense. Garrett Riley is their OC, brother of Lincoln Riley. Rashad Samples is an ace recruiter, a young star on the coaching profession. So if all those guys come over, then I feel better about this. But I think you're going to need a really good support staff. And this, this could work. But I also think there's some risk involved. Um, it's not the slam dunk hire that I was maybe expecting, given all the chatter about this job. Like, people have been talking about the TCU job like it's a top 15, top 20 job. And I think it has the potential to be, and it might be for a lot of coaches. The problem, I think, for TCU this time around, and we don't know, again, nothing's official, is there are other great jobs that were open. Like, LSU is not usually open. Florida, if it comes open, that's a job that's not generally open. USC. I mean, we can go down the list here. So maybe that's what derailed things. But 
again, we don't know. Heading into your weekend, though, it looks like Sonny Dykes is the favorite to land this job, and we'll break all that down and what that means in the coming weeks. Coming up next, TCU basketball and some final thoughts on TCU and Kansas. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go, segment two of Locked On Horn Frogs, and I want to uh, dip into the basketball world for a little bit. TCU basketball played Nickel State, and Nickel State is not a terrible team. They're in the Southland Conference. They won that league outright last year. They lost in the conference title game in their, in their conference tournament. Um, and they're the favorites to, to win the conference again this year. They went and played Baylor earlier this week. They got shellacked. It wasn't really close. So they come into Fort Worth, and, I mean, it's a game that's a bigger test, but it's still a game you feel like TCU should take care of business. And they did ultimately win. They win this game 63-50. to um, Played really good defense in the second half. Mike Miles ended up with 16 points to lead the way. However, there was a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth to get to that final score. TCU got off to a nice start early, and then really Nickel State dominated the rest of the first half. They were down 30-24 to 24 at halftime. At one point in the second half, they were down 38-25, to 25, down by 13 points, about 15 minutes left in the game, and it looked like they were going to take an L. But they found a way to come back and get it done, and they really did it. Like, the shot started to fall, but it was really started by fantastic defense. I mean, they played suffocating defense in the second half, holding Nickel State to only 20 points. Held them to 32% shooting for the night, 28% from three. TC only shot 21% from three. They did not have a good night shooting the basketball. Mike Miles bounced back in a big way in the second half, but he really struggled in the first half. Had six turnovers. I believe he only had three points at halftime. Emmanuel Miller had nine points, but it was a pretty quiet night for him. He did most of his work um, kind of banging around, getting some rebounds late. Micah Peavy had 10. He took the ball to the rim. He was a little more aggressive. I will say, I think they showed some character yesterday. This is still a relatively new team, like new to each other. They haven't played together a lot. And you get down 13 like that at home on a Wednesday night or Thursday night in November, it would be easy to pack it in and just say, okay, Bad non-conference loss. These things happen. You're playing a lot of games. We'll get back at it in a couple days. But they rallied, and they got it done. And I do think that shows something. That shows that, you know, this team's got a little grit, a little fight to them. They won an ugly game. That's not always an easy thing to do. But the offense was, was pulling teeth last night. They finally started to get some better ball movement in the second half. Uh, but just so many turnovers, so many wasted possessions. Could not find a way to get anything going on that end of the floor. And I think one thing that it showed is this was a problem all last year. Now, I'll say R.J. Nimhard could get his own shot. He just wasn't always super efficient. So it could be kind of frustrating. But they haven't really found – I mean, Miles can score – They have some good shooters. Chuck O'Bannon had a tough night shooting, but he's the guy that can light it up from deep. Um, Francisco Farabello can shoot 
Like they have some dudes that can that can throw it up, but they still don't really have many shot creators. And you're gonna need those guys that can take it off the bounce. Now I think Micah Peavy can do that. He did that better last night than he has the first couple games of the season. I'd like to see him get more involved on that end of the floor. Right now he seems to be his role seems to be a wing stopper, which is a valuable thing. But I just think he's too good of an athlete to not be getting up and down the floor and, and taking some, you know, balls on the wing and in isolation mode trying to get his own bucket. It was a it was a good win though. I think it was an impressive victory. They're gonna head out to the West Coast now and play in a tournament um, as they continue to roll along in non conference play. Sixty three to fifty though, they get the victory yesterday over Nickel State. Um, again, not pretty, but found a way. And some nights that's just what you have to do. And the Big Twelve, are you gonna win playing like that? No. But they weren't playing a Big 12 opponent last night. They were playing Nickel State, and they, they got it done. So kudos to them on a tough night, on an off night, finding a way to get a victory. Okay, TCU football against Kansas tomorrow. Apparently, Kendra Miller is going to make an appearance. I don't know if he'll start, but he'll play. Um, so that's, that's good news. Zach Evans, not expected to play. Haven't really heard an update on Chandler Morris since it was said that he's banged up early in the week, but I think ultimately he'll give it a go. So KU, on their end, Jalen Daniels is expected to be the quarterback. Now, this is kind of fascinating. So if he plays in one more game, he loses his redshirt year. He's a freshman. But apparently, Lance Leipold spoke with uh, Jalen, spoke with his family, and they want to keep going. They want to play. So he had a, a fantastic game against Texas. And he's going to get another chance. He's mobile. He can throw. They can do some different things with him. Um, Both these teams are horrendous against the run. So I expect the ball to stay on the ground a lot. 3 p.m. ESPN Plus. One cool note from this game. Gary Patterson and Kelsey Patterson will be there in the tunnel to send off the seniors, which is going to be a great moment. Now, will, will Gary be involved anymore in the game? Like, will he have any other part in the presentation? I don't know. But they're at least going to be there to send the seniors on their way, which is fantastic. And one senior I'd love to just highlight today, you know, Amari DiMercato has been in that running back room for a long time, hasn't played a ton, has been called on a couple different times in emergency situations, and has answered the bell for them. So I'm happy for him, and I'm happy that he's going to get some carries again tomorrow. I hope this team wins. I know a lot of people don't care about bowl eligibility, but – I just think it would be cool if they could rally and find a way to get it done. And I'd like to see them beat Kansas just to save from the embarrassment of losing to the Kansas Jayhawks and not giving them a two-game winning streak. We'll be back on Monday with Matt Jennings. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.